Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for another episode. I get a lot of questions about what I eat, how much I eat, when I eat, and I do share a lot of that. I don't share it on the blog anymore, uh, but I share most of it on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. It's not my actual posts. It is stories. So on Instagram, without getting into an Instagram tutorial, the two-second version is there are your posts and there are your stories. When you see the little circle at the top of your feed with people's faces in it, those are stories. That is where I post what I eat. Most of the time, if I eat it, I post it there. Every once in a while, I forget. But recently, I've made a bit of a shift in what I am eating, and many people have commented, noticed it over on Instagram, so I wanted to address it here. The change that I have recently made, I would say over the past two weeks, is I've been intentionally incorporating a lot more raw vegetables. And I've talked about raw veggies on the podcast before, specifically I talked about why I use raw cabbage in my cabbage salad bowl. The I'll link to that recipe on the show notes because it's basically the most popular thing that I've ever shared that I eat. But the reason that I include raw cabbage in that is because primarily of an enzyme called myrosinase. And I want to talk a little bit more about enzymes. That's certainly not the only reason that I've been incorporating raw veggies. But what I want to do today is talk a little bit about the science of nutrients in vegetables and how different vegetables respond to heat differently. And then I want to get really practical about what vegetables are best eaten raw and why and what vegetables are best eaten cooked. I'm not going to go into every vegetable, but I'm going to give you guys a few examples. And then I'm going to share with you how I have been incorporating more raw give you some ideas for yourself, and talk about what benefits I have noticed while being very intentional about this over the last couple of weeks. We're going to start with a bit of the science behind vegetables and the compounds in vegetables so that we can understand raw versus cooked and that impact. You guys know I love to geek out on the science stuff, so we're going to do that for a few minutes. I mentioned enzymes. And I mentioned one called myrosinase, but let's back up just a little bit further and make sure we all understand what enzymes are and what they do. So enzymes are proteins and our body 
produces its own enzymes and we also can consume enzymes via the food that we eat. But these proteins that function as enzymes help to catalyze reactions or make things happen in the body. So animal products have enzymes and plant products have enzymes and heat impacts the structure of all proteins, including enzymes. And because enzymes are biologically active, they have to do stuff in order to carry out their function. When we change their structure with heat, we change their ability to function. And this is why it's so important to understand what enzymes that we consume in plants do, why they're so important, and then what impact heat has on them. So when we consume raw vegetables, generally speaking, so long as they are relatively fresh, the enzyme activity is there. But enzymes are denatured or become inactive when they are heated and different enzymes have different points at which they become denatured and inactive. But I will add this caveat, vegetables are easier to digest in a lot of ways when they are cooked because cooking also breaks down the fiber. So you have to rely on your individual variability here in terms of your tolerance. You know, there are people that just don't tolerate raw vegetables very well, but also know that different kinds of vegetables are tolerated differently, raw versus cooked. For example, having raw spinach is very different digestively than having raw broccoli, right? So cooking does make veggies a little bit more gentle on your digestive tract. So please use common sense and individuality when you're thinking about raw vegetables for yourself. Consuming raw vegetables if you're miserable and constipated or gassy is not what we are after, all right? So let's get back to enzymes for a second. I just wanted to throw that caveat out there. We have endogenous enzymes and exogenous enzymes. Endogenous means they come from within us, our body. They are created by the body. They are released by the body. And then exogenous uh, enzymes, EX, think outside of, they come from the foods we eat. So we don't purely rely on food for enzyme activity, and we don't purely rely on our bodies for enzyme activity. It's the combination of the two that is most powerful. When we consume more enzymes that are exogenous or coming from the foods that we eat outside of our own body, the easier digestion is, right? And you can think about digestive enzyme supplements, but those are not naturally occurring enzymes, and so they don't function to the same degree or with the same efficacy as enzymes from the food that we eat. Because as I've talked about in other episodes, there are cofactors naturally found in whole foods that are not found when you just isolate an enzyme, right? And those cofactors really support the activity of the enzyme itself. So don't think about exogenous enzymes as things in a bottle, things in a pill, things in a lotion or potion. That's not the same in terms of quality and mm, bioavailability as we see in whole foods. All right. 
So the greater our intake of exogenous enzymes, enzymes coming into the body from outside, like food, the easier digestion occurs because we put less of a burden on our bodies. When we don't have a significant intake of enzymes from the foods that we are eating, the body has to do more work and takes on more of the digestive burden. Now, something else that really adds to the digestive burden is overeating. Eating too much and eating too frequently. So while that's outside of the scope of enzymes, well, kind of outside of the scope because the more you eat and the more frequently you eat, the more demand you put on your body to produce digestive enzymes. However, I wanted to throw that in there as another part of it because it's not as simple as, oh, let me make sure that I'm providing my body with these enzymes from the food that I eat to handle or help me break down all this food that I'm overeating. One of the best ways to really support your digestion is to make sure you're not overeating. So when we eat, we have an opportunity to aid our body in digestion. Now, if we're having lots of processed foods, we're not aiding our body in digestion at all because foods that are highly processed don't have those living enzymes in them, and so we are placing all the burden on the body. But when we consume foods like fruits and vegetables that naturally have these digestive enzymes, we give an assist, right? The more we depend on endogenous enzymes, the more stress we're putting on our body, right? And the less recovery and healing and repair the body can do because it is so busy responding to the burden which we've placed on it. Let's look at veggies very specifically. So I think we all agree that vegetables are plants, right? And plants naturally have mechanisms in place to protect themselves. Humans do too, but let's look just at plants for right now. When we eat plants, some of those protective mechanisms help us and provide health benefits, and others don't. I talked about this uh, very recently when I was talking about beans and some of the protective mechanisms in beans that actually can damage our health and prevent nutrient absorption. One of the mechanisms in plants that's there to protect the plant is to store chemicals, compounds in the plant, in their inactive form, and then the plant only activates these compounds when it needs them. So a lot of the compounds in plants are naturally inactive, and certain factors activate them. Just to give a really obvious example, if we think about garlic or onions, we can pick up a bulb of garlic in the grocery store, and while it might have kind of a gentle scent, it's nothing near what we experience when we start to chop it. Same thing with onions, right? They don't really have that pungent odor until you cut into it. That's because the compounds stored in the plant are only released when the cells are damaged. The same thing is true with broccoli and Brussels sprouts. They smell way stronger when they're being chopped and even stronger still when they're being cooked, right? Those are compounds stored in the cells in their inactive form until the cells are damaged. What we see with cruciferous vegetables that I've talked about before is that a lot of these inert chemicals are inactive, right? Inert is just another word for inactive, 
they have to be acted on by an enzyme in order to be activated, right? So there's compounds that are stored in their inactive form in these plants, and something has to happen for it to be either activated or turned into its beneficial form. When we're talking about cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, etc., in order to convert these inactive compounds to their health-promoting form called sulforaphanes, it requires the activity of an enzyme called myrosinase. If you've been a long-time listener to the show, you've heard me talk about that before. And cooking inactivates the enzyme myrosinase. So what that means is some of the benefits of cruciferous vegetables come from these sulforaphanes. Now, there are obviously other benefits of these vegetables, whether it's, you know, minerals, vitamins, uh, phytonutrients, and those don't necessarily require the activation or the enzyme activity of myrosinase, but specifically the sulforaphanes, which help with cell health and have all sorts of anti-inflammatory benefits, um, have the anti-cancer properties that we look at when we talk about inducing cell death in unhealthy cells. Sulforaphanes are really responsible for some of the heavy hitting benefits of cruciferous vegetables. But in order to get the sulforaphanes to be active, they have to be acted on by the enzyme myrosinase and myrosinase is damaged by heat, okay? So cooking cruciferous vegetables is going to deactivate myrosinase, and so very little, if any, sulforaphane is going to be produced in the process. There are lots of ways around this, and what you've heard me say on the podcast before is, let's say you are um, gonna you're gonna make my cabbage salad bowl, but you your digestive system doesn't handle. raw cabbage very well. It makes you constipated, it makes you gassy, or it makes you feel bloated. Go ahead and cook your cabbage, but reserve a little bit raw and toss that in there. Because here's the cool thing about an enzyme like myrosinase, and this is not true of all enzymes, but myrosinase can work once and continue working. There are a lot of enzymes that are sort of one and done, and myrosinase is not one of those. So having a little bit of the raw with the cooked allows some of that sulforaphane activity to be gleaned from the cooked vegetable, even though the myrosinase in the cooked vegetable might have been deactivated. I know we're talking in some big words here and some more scientific details. So if you've, if I've lost you in any way, do not hesitate to comment on the show notes and I will make sure to come at this explanation in a different way or maybe point back to another episode or post where I've described in a little bit more detail. Another really simple, basic way to approach this is let's say you're cooking broccoli and you're standing in the kitchen cutting up the broccoli before you throw it in the pot to steam eat a couple of the florets raw, and then you will have that myrosinase active in your body when you consume. Now, is that like the best case? No, that's not the best case scenario, but it's certainly better than cooking all of your vegetables all of the time. So one of the reasons that I have been intentional about eating more raw vegetables is for the enzyme activity that supports overall digestion, making sure that 
I'm supporting my body's ability, taking some of the burden off of my body and freeing up my body's resources to do other things. The other part of it, though, isn't about enzymes at all, and it's about vitamins, minerals, and other phytonutrients. There are lots of things that, like enzymes, can be damaged when they are cooked. Sometimes we deplete the phytonutrients in the cooking process, and I'm trying to do a little bit less of that. Heat doesn't just impact enzymes. It also impacts fiber. It impacts especially those water-soluble vitamins like the B vitamins and the C vitamins. They are less heat-stable than your fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K. So when we look at our vitamins, we have vitamin A, B, C, D, E, and K. B and C are water-soluble, A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble. Your water-soluble vitamins are more sensitive to heat than your fat-soluble, so we can protect the water-soluble B and C vitamins by having those foods raw instead of cooked. And then lastly, one of the other really basic reasons that sort of is secondary but still valid to me that I've been doing more raw is because it's easier and there's less cleanup, which sounds so random and not important. But when you are trying to make healthy choices, having things that are quick and easy is key. That's why a lot of people turn to processed foods or foods that aren't aligned with their goals because they're more convenient. And there's little that is more convenient than a raw veggie just sitting in the fridge. I'll add another point to that that just came to mind because I don't think I had thought about it, but it's just as significant. Let's say that I'm thinking I want to have something to eat and I have a fridge full of raw veggies and I'm like, meh, that doesn't sound good. I'm probably not very hungry. There is a difference between I want something to eat because I'm bored or I want something to do or I want to give myself a little boost of pleasure and I'm really hungry. When I am really hungry, raw veggies will absolutely do. When I just want to eat, I'm probably not really attracted to that as an option. And so forcing myself to stock the fridge full of those and not have some of the convenience processed foods on hand really gives me a moment of pause to say, Am I really hungry, in which case veggies will totally do, or do I just want to eat, in which case it's probably better to wait until my body needs fuel. So let's talk about a few different vegetables so we all have an example of some things that are best raw and some things that actually you get more nutrients out of when you cook it versus eating it raw. Watercress. So... When we look at the class of vegetables that deliver really strong potential anti-cancer or cell health benefits, a lot of people get really freaked out when you say anti-cancer. What we're talking about there is cellular health. They have an ability to induce cell health in abnormal cells, which is a protective mechanism, right? Cancer originates when unhealthy cells are not killed off in this normal process, and instead replicate and grow and grow and grow. And then we have a cluster of abnormal cells, which is the origin of cancer. So watercress falls into a class of vegetables, which also includes 
broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and cabbage. But watercress have these properties called glucosinolates, which I've talked about on the podcast before. And these are activated, if you will, by myrosinase, which is the same enzyme we talked about with the Brussels, Brussels sprouts and broccoli. And when the glucosinolates are acted upon by this enzyme myrosinase, they produce isothiocyanates. Isothiocyanates are really this uh, cancer protective property. So watercress is a fantastic veggie to eat raw. And if we're looking at this class of veggies that acts this way with myrosinase activity, so let's say we're comparing watercress to broccoli, watercress is a better option for raw than broccoli because of some other components with broccoli that we'll talk about in a minute when we talk about veggies best served cooked. So watercress is a great one to have raw. Think in your salads, in a smoothie, etc. Avocado. A lot of people, you know, most of the time, avocado is cooked raw, but recently I've been seeing a lot of like fried avocado and bacon wrapped avocado. But avocado raw is a really great one because it has the enzyme lipase. Lipase, there are lots of different variations of lipase, but all enzymes have a target. Like salivary amylase works on carbohydrates. Lipase works on fat. And so avocado, being a fruit that is rich in fat, is naturally also rich in lipase, the enzyme that breaks down fat. This is one of the reasons that people who don't have a gallbladder or people who just have an impaired metabolism of fat can often tolerate avocado because it has a built-in mechanism for metabolism. It naturally has that enzyme lipase that helps to metabolize the fat. Pineapple and papaya have protease. Now, lipase is the enzyme that breaks down fat. Protease is an enzyme that breaks down protein. So pineapple and papaya are great options to help your body metabolize protein. That is one of the reasons that they are often pineapple and papaya are often used in in marinades because they tenderize the meat. The same is true of ginger. And I actually, while I knew that about pineapple, because uh, there is a component of pineapple, bromelain, which is often used in dietary supplements because of its really powerful cellular and enzymatic activity. But ginger, I didn't know, was very enzyme rich. And the reason I figured it out is I was preparing a marinade from a Nom Nom Paleo recipe, and it said ginger, but it specified to not use fresh ginger in the marinade, but rather to use like powdered ginger instead of ginger root, because the ginger root would over tenderize the meat because of the enzyme activity. And it didn't say because of the enzyme activity, but just, you know, putting two and two together, the fact that it tenderizes the meat means it's acting on the meat, which means it's enzyme activity. So ginger root is a fantastic one. And I've been using this a lot lately. I'll tell you how in a minute. So those are some things that are really great to consume raw to support your body's digestive ability. Think having a salad with watercress um, or, you know, at dinner time, putting some pineapple chunks on your salad, things like that, some raw avocado, um, 
or preparing a meal with ginger root, all of those things are going to support your body's digestive abilities. Veggies that are better off cooked. And I say better off cooked and not should and must be cooked because this isn't an all or nothing thing. Just because something is better raw doesn't mean you can't cook it. And just because something is better cooked doesn't mean you can't eat it raw. But just keep these things in mind as a general rule for the majority of the time. So veggies with goitrogens. You've probably heard goitrogens and maybe you think goiter. Um, Goitrogens are challenging for people who have thyroid issues. Okay, so if you are somebody who has thyroid issues, then veggies like broccoli and veggies like kale are better off cooked. All right. Now you can have a little bit of them raw and the majority of them cooked when you're eating them. Some of you might not have any problem whatsoever having something like raw broccoli, but and I, I am somebody who has thyroid issues. And so I am going to cook my broccoli more than I am going to eat it raw. But what I will do is I'll have one or two pieces that I eat raw so that I get the benefit of that morosinase activity. But I'm not just totally screwed because I have thyroid issues and a lot of these beneficial veggies are best cooked. I'm not screwed. I just will have a few pieces raw and allow that to act on the morosinase to act on the other things. But the other thing is I'll use a veggie like watercress, which delivers a lot of the same benefits, but is best eaten raw, not cooked. All right. So that is something to consider. I'm not a kale fan, but kale for sure is better cooked. You get more nutrient absorption and fewer risks when you cook kale versus eating it raw. Um, Tomatoes are actually better cooked specifically for the lycopene. Cooking tomatoes makes the lycopene, one of the um, polyphenols, makes it more bioavailable or more readily absorbed by the body. Spinach is best cooked. A lot of people get very, very excited about raw spinach salads or throwing spinach in smoothies and things like that. But spinach is naturally higher in oxalates, And I've talked about oxalates in other episodes of the podcast, but oxalates, when they are over-consumed, remember, this is not you can never have raw spinach. However, when we consume too much of things uh, containing oxalates, oxalates bind to minerals, and so they reduce absorption of minerals that your body really needs. So we don't want to over-consume oxalates, and spinach, compared to other veggies, is higher in oxalates. So if you are a big spinach eater, you'd be better off having the majority of your spinach cooked and having the raw spinach every once in a while. When you cook veggies, whatever they are, the less you cook them, the better. And this is true even for the veggies that are best served cooked. We do not want to overcook them because the more we cook them or the higher heat we use on them, the more damage we're doing, not just to the enzymes, but also to sensitive antioxidants, sensitive phytonutrients, vitamins, minerals, etc. So the best way to cook your veggies is to steam them. The worst way is to do something like frying them or cooking them in a wok where the goal is to get it really, really, really hot. Less heat, 
is better. Less cooking time is better. A little goes a long way in terms of heat. So I'll share with you what I specifically have been doing. I have been trying really hard for the majority of the day to be mostly raw, and I have my cooked items at dinner, right? Now, that doesn't mean I'm having raw chicken in the middle of the afternoon. If you've been following me on Instagram, you've seen in my stories, I don't usually eat breakfast, so that hasn't been a shift. But instead of a big meal of cooked stuff at lunch and then again at dinner, I will have my lunch meal more on the raw side of the spectrum. So what that has looked like in the past couple weeks, I've uh, dug out my Vitamix blender and I've been throwing in some water, a lot of water, apple cider vinegar, uh, and that's just personal preference for me. There's That is because of the beneficial bacteria in there. And I shared a few episodes ago that I had a UTI. So I'm trying to just up the apple cider vinegar to make sure that that is totally resolved and gone. It seems like it is, but I'm just erring on the side of caution there. So water, apple cider vinegar, then some carrots, some watercress, and some fresh ginger. It really is that simple. Now, a lot of people will wonder about juicing versus blending. I've done a podcast on this as a very long time ago, but the short version is when you just extract the juice, you're mostly getting the water and the sugars and you're leaving behind the fiber and you're leaving behind a lot of the nutrients in that. So you're extracting primarily water and sugar, yes, some nutrients, but you're leaving a lot behind. So my preference, if I'm going to do something like that, I do not use a juicer. I use my Vitamix blender. And so it is pulpy, but it's not like chunky or anything. I mean, if I if I didn't have a good blender, it probably would be a little chunky, but I use my Vitamix blender. I will link to the one that I have over on the show notes, and I've been just doing very, very simple water, apple cider vinegar, watercress, carrots, fresh ginger, and every once in a while, I'll throw in some cinnamon because I think it adds a great flavor, and cinnamon just has a lot of other um, health benefits to it as well. I've also been doing salads. I do use raw spinach in my salads, but I make sure to not do that every single day for the reason that it's higher in oxalates, it's going to bind to the minerals, and I certainly don't want that to be a regular thing. Big salads, right? And the other thing is making sure that when I do my dinner, which hasn't changed very much, uh, last night was takeout because uh, that it's just a day of the week where it's my best option. I got a salad and then I did chicken wings. Uh, the night before that, I had leftover spaghetti squash with the beef kind of marinara over it. But before I do that main meal, like the spaghetti squash, I'll have a salad with raw veggies before to make sure that I am beginning the meal with those digestive enzymes that are going to help act on the cooked part of the meal, which will be less abundant in those enzymes. So that is what it has looked like for me. And I'll tell you two primary benefits that I have noticed. Number one, I absolutely have more energy. And my educated guess on why is because I believe My body has less work to do on digestion. I'll tell you why I think that in a second. But just from a common sense perspective, if I'm providing more of the exogenous enzymes from food, my body doesn't have to work as hard 
in the digestive process, so I have more energy for other things. Healing, recovery, repair, etc. My body is using up less battery power, if you will, as an analogy, and I feel more energized. I've absolutely noticed that positive shift since adding in the more raw vegetables. The other thing is much more frequent, more regular bowel movements. So for people who are experiencing constipation or just feel like, I don't have bowel movements as often as other people that I know. I hear that all the time, which sounds like such a weird thing, and you might have your eyebrows raised right now, but you might also be nodding in agreement. Um, Adding in more raw vegetables because of the way that it sort of speeds up, facilitates the digestive process that often leads to more frequent bowel movements, more regular bowel movements, more solid bowel movements. Um, and that is certainly something that I have noticed. So food for thought for you guys. Definitely consider if you're somebody that's been eating a lot of raw spinach, especially if you are somebody who has thyroid issues, maybe you dial that back, you cook that gently. If you are somebody that really values tomatoes because of the lycopene and the cell health benefits of that, maybe you cook those. But also consider adding in raw veggies, especially things like watercress uh, and maybe some raw cabbage. Even when you are cooking your broccoli or your cabbage, adding in just a little bit of it raw so that you can get the benefit of that morosinase activity. I think that that's a good shift to make. All right, to wrap up, I want to give you guys a heads up. I have mentioned many times on the show, in fact, she's been on the podcast, my friend Mary Shenuda. I call her a friend. I worked with her back in 2014, so I consider her a mentor. I try to support what she's got going on because she is just an incredible chef and a very balanced and generous and genuine human being. You might know of her because of her baby, her product called Fat Fudge. Fat Fudge is these packets of grass-fed butter and tahini, cayenne pepper, um, a little bit of honey, and we've talked about it here on the show before, but last week was a big week for her. Fat Fudge is now available on Amazon Prime and also on Thrive Market. So I checked it out both places, was super pumped because it's not cheap, but it is very, very convenient. Uh, Fat Fudge is now on Thrive Market and you save 20% off the retail price when you go through Thrive versus her website or any place else. So definitely check that out. I will say this, I like to have it on hand for two reasons. Number one, it's convenient. It's in a packet so I can keep it in my backpack. I can travel with it. The other reason I love it, despite the fact that it's called fat fudge, it's not overly sweet. It's even a little bit bitter, but here's why that's good for me. I'm not tempted to eat all of the packets. And I don't know about you, but when it's things like um, fat bombs that people make at home or Quest bars even, they're so sweet and so dessert-like that it can be tough. I want to go back for another and another and another. And fat fudge is a lot like really, really rich chocolate where you have a little bit and you're like, I'm good. That was tasty, but I'm not eager to go and have more and more and more and more. So fat fudge is not something that I eat every day. I wouldn't, I mean, it's it's not cheap. So I, for me personally, it's not part of my daily protocol, but I've got a trip coming up to California 
and I absolutely will bring it with me there because when I'm on the go, when I'm moving around, when I don't want to spend a ton of money eating out all the time, it is a really great option. So if you are somebody that uses Thrive Market, definitely check it out there. I always want to support her. I believe in what she does. I'm excited for her keto version to come out, which will be without honey, but this one has very, very little honey in it. I personally don't use it as a breakfast option because of the honey, but I will use it later in the day, especially like I said, when I'm traveling. So check that out there. If you are a fan of it or if you haven't tried it, give it a shot. It's it's very strong. Not Strong's not the right word. It's, um, it's not dessert-like. So keep that in mind. If you're thinking that it's going to be like a piece of fudge from the candy shop, nope, nope, it's not. It is like a rich dark chocolate with a little bit of a um, of a spiciness to it from the turmeric and from the cayenne. So if you haven't checked it out, I, it gets my stamp of approval in part because it's not so amazingly delicious that I want to go after again and again and again. And that's actually a benefit to me. So I like it for travel. You can check it out and save an additional 20% on it if you go through Thrive Market versus other outlets. And if you go to Thrive through the URL, thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential, you will save an additional 25% on your first order, plus get free shipping on that order and a 30-day trial membership. So congrats to my friend Mary for getting her product out into the world in a really big way this week. I mean, she's been crushing it for years, but in one week to get it on Thrive Market and Amazon. I'm really, really excited for her and I placed my order. So if you're into that, give it a try. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.